Hello and welcome to the PMP training program. In today's session, we are going to talk about some of the basic aspects related to PMP certification examination. When I gave my PMP five years ago, even I had some of these questions on my mind. Like what should be the ideal preparation time? I'm sure some of these questions will come to you very often, especially those people who are PMP aspirant. So you have already enrolled for this session and you are looking forward to the PMP certification. And I'm sure you must have also got similar kind of questions. So in today's session, we will try and address some of these questions. So the first thing is about ideal preparation time. So we'll talk about what should be the ideal preparation time. What kind of a syllabus is covered as a part of PMP examination? And I'm sure most importantly, you would like to listen to some of the tips and tricks which will help you in preparing for the examination better. And most importantly, the application procedure. Because for PMP certification, it's very important that we should write application properly. Because at time, your application might get identified for the audit. And if you haven't written it properly, you may not be able to support the audit evidences properly as per the application that you have submitted for the PMP examination. So these questions, though they look very, very simple, but they are very important from the PMP examination point of view. And today's session is based on this topic itself. So I once again welcome you all to the PMP training and in today's session, let's talk about some of these basic aspects of PMP. So let's start with ideal exam preparation time. So what should be the ideal exam preparation time? We recommend you anywhere between six to eight weeks time before you actually take the PMP certification examination. So six to eight weeks before the examination, which is approximately one and a half to two months, you can actually undergo a training program. It's really good to start with the training program and Edureka offers the PMP training program. You all have enrolled for this program already. This PMP training program will help you learn about all the knowledge areas of project management. Along with that, we cover 49 processes and all the five process groups which are required to be covered as a part of the PMBOK 6th edition. So this training program is based on the latest PMBOK edition. So once you undergo the training program, the next important thing would be application submission. So you create your login credentials on PMI.org. I would recommend you to fill up the application in offline mode so that you'll get enough time to write about the application, the sections that are there. Of course, we will talk about how to fill up the application separately. But after the training program, I will recommend you to go for submitting your application. Anyways, as a part of the training program itself, we talk about how to fill up application and we also give complete support for filling up the application form. So you don't have to worry about that. So once you submit the application, then you can, of course, continue studying as per the recommendations that are given during the training program. You continue your studies and you schedule your examination once your application is approved by the time your application is undergoing processing with PMI. So once your application is approved, then I will recommend you to schedule your examination approximately four to six weeks after the application is approved so that you will get another four to six weeks time. So total you're getting six to eight weeks approximately is what you can remember or that's how you can plan. And then you continue your studies. Once you take the examination date and you confirm the exam schedule, you're continuing studies for another two to three weeks. And once you have spent good amount of time, which is approximately three weeks time, reading about the various knowledge areas, process groups and processes, then it's time for you to get on to solving some of the mock questions. Again, for the mock questions, 
you all are going to get access to many questions and i will strongly recommend you to take at least two full time 200 questions that will also give you a good practice and unless you clear above 80% consistently in those two 200 questions full mock exam i would not recommend you really to go ahead and take the final exam and apart from that you can also take different mock questions and take mock tests under various knowledge areas and process groups so that you will get enough practice so once you complete your basic studies for 2 to 3 weeks time just prior to 2 weeks of the examination you can practice as much as possible and you will be able to also identify what are those weak areas and the strong areas of yours where you need more practice and reading so that is very important to identify as a part of this entire exam preparation time that you have taken so once you are through with the mock tests and entire reading then you can actually appear for the examination so with all this put together you should be able to clear the exam successfully with just first attempt once you clear the exam the another thing is renewal so i look at pmp certification as a journey because it's just not about clearing the pmp examination you just achieve a milestone by clearing the pmp examination but you are also embarking this journey of professional project management wherein you are renewing your certification every 3 years and for that you will have to also attend various training programs to gain the professional development units there also edureka courses will certainly help you apart from that you can also earn pdus through different ways to learn about how to earn pdus through different ways either by attending the training program or by delivering training program or by giving it back to the project management community through various services you can read more about it through the project management pmp brochure that is available on pmi.org and that will give you a fair idea about how to renew your certification once you successfully clear it so i'm sure this particular exam preparation time schedule that we are suggesting you will certainly help you in clearing your examination with the first attempt so start with the training have the milestone of clear application approval schedule your examination keep continue reading on the important topics that are suggested during the training program just couple of weeks before the examination focus on mock tests at least take couple of full 200 test questions and ensure that you score above 80% in that so once you follow this regime i'm sure you'll be in a full control of your pmp exam preparation so with this let's now move on to the next topic of today's which is about syllabus i'm sure some of you may have this question on syllabus so when you decided to do pmp i'm sure you must have done lot of homework to find out more about pmp one of the important things about pmp is pmbok so the syllabus of pmp certification is based on the pmbok which is project management book of knowledge and the latest edition is 6th edition this training is based on 6th edition so you don't have to worry about the syllabus we are going to cover only the latest syllabus as a part of this training now if you see the pmbok guide is divided into many areas or the process groups or domains you may call them as like planning executing monitoring closing initiating so it starts with initiating 80% of the syllabus of pmp is based on planning executing and monitoring and 20% is on closing and initiating so even this training program we focused in such a way that we give lot of time to planning executing and monitoring and with lot of questions as well so that you will get enough practice at the same time we are also covering some of the important topics from the exam point of view 
of course we ensure that some of the important topics under closing and initiating are also covered so pmp training is organized is structured based on the knowledge areas so there are total 10 knowledge areas we will talk about some of them as an example the knowledge areas like integration management schedule management or resource management stakeholder management etc there are total 10 knowledge areas so this training is structured and it is based on these knowledge areas so we will go on covering each of these knowledge areas in detail so like starting with integration management through the procurement management we are going to cover about all the processes as a part of this knowledge areas and under these processes we are going to talk about what are the inputs what are tools and techniques and what are the outputs so all these things are going to be covered in detail and you will be given a deep dive into each of these processes to make sure that you prepare for your examination thoroughly let's move ahead from syllabus to some of the domain details so as i mentioned there are these five process groups and there are various tasks that are performed as part of these process groups and there are 10 knowledge areas and total there are 49 processes that we cover and each of these processes will have some inputs there are certain tools and techniques that we use in order to use that process efficiently and we expect some output at the end of the process what we have done today is that as a part of this session we will cover some of these domains so starting with initiating domain i'm going to cover about some of the tasks if not in detail and of course once we move ahead we'll be able to then talk about on each of these domains much in details so what do we do as a part of initiating we actually talk about performance of the project assessment how do we perform the project assessment so that's where basically we kind of ascertain about the project how this project is overall and we do the project assessment in order to find out what are the strengths of the project what are the feasibility what is the business benefits that this project is going to derive ultimately some of the documents that are given to you as a project manager are very useful while performing the project assessment documents like the business case documents like benefit management plan will be very useful to you in order to perform the project assessment you will be able to also derive some of the key deliverables out of that while executing the project we have to focus on certain key deliverables by the end of the planning you come up with the project plan as one of the deliverable you come up with the requirement specification document as a deliverable you come up with the design documents now these deliverables are actually approved by various stakeholders and who is supposed to approve these deliverables is also explicitly covered as a part of the project charter so once you are ready with those deliverables we have to go to that respective stakeholder and seek for his or her approval and that's where the stakeholder analysis is very important ensure that you do thorough stakeholder analysis if your project is having distributed stakeholders you refer to the various artifacts including the previous projects at the same time artifacts like business case benefit realization plan project charter etc will actually help you in identifying various stakeholders and analyze their needs because some stakeholders you need to satisfy their needs for some stakeholders you just need to inform them about the overall progress of the project for some stakeholders you will have to work very closely with them so you should know who are those stakeholders the another part as a part of the initiating activity is identification of the risks assumptions and constraints so we identify various risks that may pose in the project we not only identify risk but also we ensure that each of these risks have risk owners we also explicitly put down assumptions on the project 
Like for example, you have been given a commitment that by the time you reach to the testing phase, your test environment will be ready. So you will put down the assumption that test environment will be ready by the time you or we reach to the testing phase. That's an assumption because if you'll not get the test environment by the time you reach to the testing phase, you'll not be able to perform testing as a result of which that will have a huge impact on the project. So that assumption might turn out to be a risk and maybe an issue. So it's very important for us to keep tracking some of these things on the project. And ultimately on project, you work with different constraints. So constraint could be cost, constraint could be resources, constraint could be quality, constraint could be schedule. So you should know what are those project constraints that are flexible, what are those project constraints that are fixed. And you need to play around with these constraints effectively in order to make sure that you deliver the project successfully. Project Charter is definitely one of the most important artifacts even from the project manager's point of view because Project Charter authorizes the project manager to use resources on the project. And therefore, we need to make sure that we not only create project charter, but get it approved by the sponsor. And when sponsor hand over the project charter to the project manager, that authorizes the project manager to move ahead on the project. And that gives empowerment to the project manager to make various decisions on the project. Benefit analysis plan is another important aspect on the project. So, of course, there is a, a proper benefit management plan that is prepared in the beginning itself. And we need to make sure that project activities are aligned towards the benefit management plan so that by the time we complete the project and deploy or produce the outcome, which could be a product or a service or some result that starts giving you benefits once it is out in the market. Another important thing that we need to make sure during initiating is that all the stakeholders are aware about the project charter. And we need to inform them that project charter is approved and we are good to kickstart the project. So some of these tasks are part of the initiating activities. Let's move on to the another important domain, which is planning. What do we do as a part of the planning? We actually start with planning for the project requirements. And we also learn about some of the constraints of the project assumptions with respect to stakeholders, etc. And with this information, then we start working on the project plan. A project plan actually contains many subsidiary management plans. That is scope management, cost management, schedule management, resource management, communications management, procurement management. All these plans are part of the project plan. When we create a project plan, we need to make sure that all these subsidiary management plans are created and then they are embedded into the project plan. And then we get approval for that project plan from the stakeholders. So, for example, when we gather requirements, we actually define scope of the project and then we break down that requirement into smaller requirement and the tasks and then we go on deriving cost out of it. Then we go on deriving project schedule out of it. So it is in a way a bottom up estimation that we do by ensuring that we break down those requirement into the smaller tasks and this entire process of creating the work breakdown structure is going to be covered in detail as a part of this training itself. Not only that, we also need to make sure that we have a proper quality management plan in place. And that plan should contain explicitly about how are we going to manage quality on project, especially with respect to the domain that you're working in, the industry that you're working in, you might need to follow certain quality standards. So we need to get those agreed explicitly from the stakeholders. So acceptance criteria is very important to define and put it in the project charter. So from planning point of view, these things are really, really important. Not only that, 
we have to also work on few other subsidy management plans right change management so project working on a project i'm sure some of you have been working on the project it's a roller coaster ride there are ups and downs there are happy moments and there are not so happy moments as well especially when we get changed towards late on the project it's always challenging to manage that because if we get a change towards late on the project it might impact your schedule it might impact your architecture it might impact and create big risks on the project because your design might requires to undergo a change as well so managing that change effectively is very important so how we should be establishing a change control board on the project who should be the part of the change control board how we should take that change through the change control board get explicit approval and then embed or work on that change on the project is very important to facilitate as a project manager the another thing is of course plan for the risk what is our approach to manage risk on the project how are you going to do the qualitative risk analysis quantitative risk analysis how are we going to manage the residual risk on the project how are we going to ensure that each of these risks have got risk owners and how the risk register will be prepared what should be the template for that all these questions needs to be answered as a part of the risk management plan that we'll create so once we have all these plans subsidiary management plan put together and once we create a project plan then we need to present that project plan to all the stakeholders and that's how we officially kick off the meeting or we kick off the project so we call it as project kick off meeting which is scheduled wherein we ensure that all the key stakeholders are involved they are invited and they are part of the project kickoff meeting and that's where you actually take everybody through the various subsidy management plan you discuss the project approach you discuss all these important tasks that we just covered and you ensure that everybody is on the same page and you align everybody's vision or everybody's thought process towards the common project vision that you have drafted or that you have identified as a stakeholders so these things are very important from the planning point of view now moving on to the execution so once we have a plan in place now it's time for us to start implementing that plan so what do we do so for example we start acquiring resources so as per the plan if you mentioned that you would need now when i say resources previously we used to talk about only human resources but now we talk about as a part of resource management plan we not only talk about human resources but also other resources that we use on the project and those could be even material resources machineries those could be even human resources of course so how do we acquire those resources how do we acquire machineries so we start doing that as a part of executing so we start acquiring the machineries we start acquiring the human resources who are going to work on the project we start acquiring material resources that are required on the project and we of course manage the execution tasks there have apart from that whatever is committed during the quality management plan we ensure that we implement that whatever the quality standards that we have committed we start implementing those quality standards if there is any change because we are in executing if there is any change which is approved by the change control board we need to start working on that change as well so at times we have to initiate the change as a part of the corrective action as well so for example you started working on the project and you realized that you are spending more than how much you should have been so that means you are actually over budget so there are two aspects that we talk about here so at times you might spend more than required or you might spend less than required so are you over budget or are you under budget 
So if you're spending more than required, so obviously you need to introduce a change. You need to ensure that everybody is aware about what needs to be done now. So we need to take a corrective actions. So as a part of the executing, we keep monitoring certain metrics and we're going to talk about which are those metrics that we manage. So like cost performance or schedule performance, which comes as a part of monitoring, but based on referring to those metrics, we take corrective actions. So do I need to reduce the scope or do I need to reprioritize the whole requirements again? How should I be responding to this change that has come through? Then we have to implement through the approved actions. So whatever is approved by the change control board, we have to start implementing on that. And most importantly, there is a lot of information which is generated on the project. We need to decimate that information. We need to make sure that all this information is communicated to everybody, not only the team, but also all the stakeholders who are working on the project. And throughout the project, we need to make sure that we maintain the stakeholder relationships. And that's where your stakeholder management plan will help you. So once we are through with the execution, during the execution itself, we have to keep also doing certain activities for monitoring and controlling point of view, like measuring project performance. We measure project performance, how? So we have created a plan and now we started executing that plan. So one of the things that we check is whether what we are doing, are we doing it as per the plan or not? How is our performance? Are we behind the schedule or ahead of the schedule? Are we overspending or underspending? So what is our performance overall on the project? And accordingly, we need to manage the change. So are we managing change effectively? Are we able to respond to the change? Are we taking the change through the change control board? So are we following the change management process or not? Another thing that we need to also do is verifying the deliverables. Before we give it to the customer, it's important that internally as a team, we need to make sure that deliverable is as per the acceptance criteria. So there comes the verification process, which we need to implement thoroughly. Monitoring and assessing risk keeps happening throughout the project because we need to keep adding the risk. We need to keep updating the risks. New risks keeps coming in. At the same time, the risks which are already addressed, we need to close those risks as well. So it's a continuous process. And hence, we need to make sure that we review issue logs and update the risks accordingly. We need to also make sure that we capture the lessons learned throughout these project phases that we have. So once we complete a phase, make sure that we gather lessons learned, we document them. And we need to also keep monitoring the procurement activities. So for example, you have some contract with some vendor. So how is the vendor performance? So you might need to take corrective actions if in case the vendor performance is not as per the service level agreement that is being agreed between you and the vendor. So lots of these monitoring and controlling activities, which also play key role on the project. And then the last domain we talk about is closing. So as the name suggests here, we perform all the closing related activities. So closing related activities could be performed like obtaining the final acceptance of the project deliverables. So we go to the stakeholders, we inform them, we delivered you as per your acceptance criteria. Now we need your final approval to close this project. Whatever we produced as an outcome, it could be a product or a service or some result, ensure that you transfer the ownership of that product to the customer. Right, so that is another checkpoint which is equally important. From finance and legal and administrative point of view, we need to perform certain activities. Like if there is any contract with the vendor, we need to make sure that we close that contract successfully, properly by completing all the administrative closure activities of the contract. Once we do all that, we have to also prepare a project report and communicate to everybody about the project closure report that you have prepared. 
And then there is another thing that we do, which is called as PIR, which is post implementation review. That's where we gather all the stakeholders and we make sure that we gather lessons learned out of the whole experience of working through the project. So this happens very, very thoroughly. So each of the phase we review it. Like, for example, how was the experience with respect to the initiating the project activities phase? How was the requirements gathering happening? During design, did we come across any challenges and how did we overcome them? During the built activities, what went right? What could have been done differently? So we actually thoroughly review each of these phases and we gather lessons and we document those lessons as well. So that those lessons could be then used by some other project. Now, these lessons learned will then be a part of your OPS, we call as organizational process assets. And then the other teams will refer to your lessons learned that you have documented. And most importantly, you need to then archive all the project documents at one place. And that becomes your project repository of the documents, which you can refer to in the future. Or even your colleagues or some other members in the future will refer to these documents for estimation, for uh, lessons learned, for taking some of the proactive actions on some other project. And lastly, before we close the project, we have to take feedback from the customers or stakeholders and ensure that we take some actions out of the feedback so that we can avoid some of the mistakes that may have happened. And also, we need to see whether my customer is happy or not. So all these are the closing related activities that we perform. So whatever we covered so far was uh, mainly from the syllabus point of view. There are a few additional things that the PIMBOK 6th edition you will find. What are those few additional things? The first thing is that there are a few small changes that have happened. Though they are small, but I believe they are really relevant. Like time management is now labeled as schedule management. And human resource management is now labeled as resource management. So as I mentioned, it's just not about managing the human resources, but also it's about all the resources on project. So PMI has done these changes as a part of the sixth edition. Apart from that, another important change is each of these knowledge areas have been divided into multiple sections. There are total four sections. So for example, if we talk about scope management, then we talk about key concepts on scope management. Then what are the trends and emerging practices as a part of scope management? So as a result of, for example, emerging trends and practices could be use of certain tools on the scope management or use of certain techniques, especially with respect to agile. We have seen the scope management, the way it is done has been changed. So what is that impact? What is that trend is what is discussed out here. Tailoring consideration, very important again, because it may not be that one size may not fit all. So it's important that we need to apply our knowledge and learning and do the tailoring of the process based on the organization, based on the context, based on domain, industry, and the demand requirement that you're working in. So how to do that? And of course, agile and adaptive environment. So even though you are working with this PMI process, but PMI has also aligned it to agile and adaptive environments. So how to do that is also covered as a part of this section. So in this training, we are definitely going to talk about all these things. So not only on the knowledge areas, but also in the knowledge area, all these four sections are going to be covered in details. Now it's time for us to move on to the next part, which is how to prepare for the examination. There are certain tips and tricks that we'll talk about very quickly. So the first thing that we should be doing is we should take a PMP certification training course. As I mentioned during the scheduling of the examination, 
when you schedule the exam approximately six to eight weeks before the actual examination it's good idea to start your preparation with the pmp training and that's where edureka's course will help you additionally you will also get the pdus that are mandatory for pmp certification so you need 35 pdus and that 35 pdu you will get it through this pmp certification and you will get certificate as well so tomorrow if your certification or application is identified under audit you'll be able to submit them the certification of training participation and that will take care of that audit requirement as one of the evidence apart from that most importantly since we talk about pmp knowledge areas process groups and all the 49 processes as a part of this training and we cover them in detail this training will prepare you for the examination this training is delivered by the certified professionals so i am the pmp certified professional i am delivering this training for you now similarly this training is delivered for whichever the batches that are running by the pmp certified professionals only the another tip that i would share is while doing the actual study it's important that we built an ideal study ambience around yourself it's really important i remember when i did my pmp that time i ensured that i have a small study room where there is no distraction so that i can focus on my studies even though it is one hour every day or two hours or over the weekend sometimes maybe two to three hours but there is no distraction so that is very important to ensure whatever the time that you decided to commit for the pmp examination preparation you should be able to give the time with full dedication and without any distraction so this is very very important thing to remember another thing that will help you definitely is design a study schedule and it's good to adhere to it of course we shouldn't be doing over but it's important that whatever the study schedule that we have committed to we should try and stick to that as much as we can now it's a good idea to create a sort of a kanban board so covering all the knowledge areas or all the important topics and then how much time would you like to spend on each of those topics and what are those dates because you may like to spend 2 hours on saturday you may like to spend just 1 hour on monday so if you know that you can put together all this information and create a schedule for yourself and make it visible put it in your bedroom or put it in your study room so that it will be visible to you and then you can follow that it's very very important and we can follow this kanban approach out there for study as well by making it visible it actually reminds you and create picture on your mind which will help you in even knowing what is that next study date that i have committed to myself for the examination moving ahead from there the another tip is always stay updated and connected to the pmp community i think this is one of the biggest advantage these days which was not there few years ago but now we can actually join certain forums and groups those are there on facebook twitter linkedin like social media sites most importantly i have seen those groups are really active and uh, people discuss different new topics there latest news over there some of the difficult questions that they may have solved and even i have seen not only this i have also seen there are certain study groups even in the organizations so all the pmp aspirants they come together and they form or they create a study group pmp study group and they spend maybe one hour every day kind of after the official hours are completed that actually helps maybe sometimes because i remember i was a part of some other study group not for pmp but for some other examination and that really helped we used to divide topics amongst ourselves and uh, every day one person used to present on the topic by preparing themselves 
So that used to help a lot. So likewise, you could also participate in some of these social forums and even possibly create the study groups and try to be active there. Appear for the PMP simulation examination. As I mentioned during the schedule, two weeks before the exam, try and take at least two full-time 200 question mock examination. One of the important practice that you need to do is sitting at one place for four hours because PMP examination is for four hours. So that means you have to sit at one place for four hours. And that is another practice that you need to do. So make sure that you do at least two full 200 questions and try to use some of the simulator that are available. And in fact, uh, you will also get access to a lot of questions. There are big question banks that are available and you can use this as well as a simulator questions to practice as much as possible. Try to read through the questions. One of the another challenge that I found was that sometimes the questions are so lengthy that we might just lose the track of what we are reading. So even reading a question full and try to read all the four options with a full concentration and focus is another practice that is very, very useful during the PMP examination, I believe. Next tip that I would like to suggest is always analyze the wrong answers and clear all your doubts. So make sure that wherever you stuck, you try to spend some time, try to understand the context, why the suggested option or suggested choice is the right answer. Because out of four options that are given, you'll always find two options very close and you have to select the best possible option, remember, in the examination. So wherever you come across a scenario wherein you are stuck and you're not able to identify the best possible options, try to understand which is the topic where you're stuck and is it that you're not aware about the context or full knowledge on the topic. So try to read through that. So this covered all tips and tricks. Now it's time for us to understand about application procedure another important question many people ask how to fill up application so let's talk about application procedure we divided this into four small topics so first is fill online application form second is about the payment procedure then we'll talk about bit on the pmp audit process and then lastly how to schedule the exam so let's start with how to fill up application as i mentioned i would recommend to fill up the application form which is offline so you download the offline application form and you fill up all the information in the form so that you'll get enough time because sometimes not all the information is available handy. You might need to gather some information. Like for example, you have to put about the PDUs. So of course, if you attend this training, it's very easy to capture and put 35 PDUs. I have seen people who did not attend any training. They may have attended training in the last eight years. They have to try to gather which training they attended which training they attended in the past, when their training was conducted, then they have to try to gather some evidence. So all that takes a lot of time. So it's important to have then offline form so that you'll be able to gather all such information. So you have to fill up general information, of course, about yourself, etc. And then the project management experience is very important. You are expected to have 4,500 hours of project management experience, which is non-overlapping. That's another thing. So when you capture your project management experience, it is important that we should capture the experience which is non-overlapping. So in a year, if you have worked on three projects, first has started, let's say, from January to, to June, the another has started from April to December, and there is one more project. So when that second project has started, which has started from April to December, right? So April, May, and June, so three months are overlapping. So you can't consider that experience. So that means your total experience, if you worked only on these two projects, would be 10 months because six months of first and then four months of the another project. 
so that means we have to capture the non overlapping experience and the way we put experience is another important thing it is not necessary that you should have worked as a project manager always on the project even though you have played any role on the project that is fine as long as you are able to capture your role and what you did on that project how you contributed on that project you should be able to articulate that properly and should be able to put it in the application form and that is what is expected actually and lastly you have to also ensure that you mention about your 35 contact hours so which training program you attended started ended how much contact hours are you going to claim out of that training program so all of that ensure that you have got the evidence of uh, the training that you have attended maybe a certificate or whatever the evidence that you could produce so this is bit on the application now we let's move on to the fee and payment now there are a couple of options available here so first is for the pmi members the another is for non members i will personally recommend you to go for pmi membership and i think almost everybody would go for because taking pmi membership doesn't cost you additional than going for non members pmi membership will cost under 39 dollars and if you see the member fees is 405 so still it will come to less than the pmi fees for the non members so in a way pmi is encouraging people to take up membership and with that there is definitely an advantage you will get access of membership for one year apart from that you will also get a soft copy of pimbok 6th edition free of cost and of course all the other membership benefits i will again recommend you to go for a computer based exam so that you can see the result immediately after the examination is over the fees is 405 dollar for non member it is 555 of course accordingly the fees is given for paper based and the retests but i will always recommend you to go for pmi.org refer to the pmp brochure and the latest information will be available over there additionally you can also join the pmi chapters the regional chapters the local chapters that are there by paying whatever the relevant fees that is levied for those chapters now only 3 pmp examination attempts are allowed in a year and then there needs to be a gap of one year so for any reason if you are unable to clear your pmp in the first attempt you still have couple of more attempts to give but i'm sure that time will not come and you should be able to clear your examination in the first attempt itself as far as the renewal is concerned as i mentioned once you successfully completed your pmp certification you need to renew it after every 3 years by completing 60 professional development units and there also edudeca courses will help you in gaining those pmp pdus for renewal now let's move on to the pmp audit process once you submit the application and pay fees if your process if your application gets identified under audit then what pmi does pmi actually ask for evidences PMI will ask for evidences for training for qualification that you have mentioned and for experience so for training you can produce the certificate of attendance of training program so that is going to be the evidence for qualification you can submit all your credentials and certificates and for experience you need endorsement from your line manager or project manager whose name you mention on the application so that is another important thing when you submit the application make sure that whoever's name you mentioned you need to talk to that person and inform that if in case the application is identified for audit then i might need your endorsement so you should be able to endorse so that's important so once you produce all this evidence and you have to submit this evidence the hard copies to pmi so you have to courier those hard copies to pmi and pmi will then review them thoroughly and once it is approved then you will be given a unique code so by using that unique code then you can schedule your examination on the prometric site and uh, 
by using that unique code you should be able to schedule your examination based on whatever the day that you would like to choose and the nearby center for the examination so this covered all the important basic but very very important aspect about pmp certification examination so i once again thank you for enrolling for this course and i wish you all the best for your certification examination and i'm sure you'll be able to clear your certification in just first attempt thank you